let us now read together what we confess in the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 45. There we have God's word summarized as follows. Why is prayer necessary for Christians? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. Moreover, God will will give his grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask him for these gifts and thank him for them. What belongs to a prayer which pleases God and is heard by him? First, we must from the heart call upon the one true God only who has revealed himself in his word for all that he has commanded us to pray. Second, we must thoroughly know our need and misery so that we may humble ourselves before God. Third, we must rest on this firm foundation that although we do not deserve it, God will certainly hear our prayer for the sake of Christ our Lord as he has promised us in his word. What has God commanded us to ask of him? All the things we need for body and soul, as included in the prayer which Christ our Lord himself taught us. What is the Lord's Prayer? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. After the sermon, we will sing together from Psalm 27, the stanzas 4 and 6. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, this afternoon I will preach to you about the importance of prayer. And then we will see three things. First of all, why we pray. Secondly, how we pray. And thirdly, what we pray. It is noteworthy that the catechism right away begins by asking about the necessity of prayer. There are no introductory words to ease us into the topic. Nothing is said about what prayer actually entails. There is no explanation about the beautiful aspect of prayer, that we may approach the Lord in prayer, that doors have been opened to his throne through the work of his Son. No, the Catechism does not do any such thing it immediately speaks about the necessity of it. And it continues that theme. For in answer 117, the first point that the Catechism makes is that we, from the heart, must call upon the true God only. And again, that question 118 asks what God has commanded to ask of him. Throughout this Lord's Day, the necessity and the command to pray are especially emphasized. In other words, we must pray. The Lord does not leave us a choice. But is that not unnatural? Is prayer not a natural outflow of the life of a Christian? Do we even have to speak 
about the necessity of it. For is it not so that a prayer that is done only because God requires it is not truly a prayer? If it is done only because it is required, then such a prayer lacks warmth and spontaneity and intimacy, all things which are so necessary to a prayer. However, when we reason like that, we should remember that in a relationship with God, there are two very important elements, desire and submission, a heartfelt wish to pray and the command to pray. The one cannot go out without the other. They belong together. That is not only the way it is with respect to our relationship to the Lord, that is also the way it is in our personal relationships, such as a man with his wife or parents with their children. A parent naturally loves his or her child. It is a spontaneous thing. And a husband loves his wife from the heart and vice versa. Nevertheless, there's also the command to love. As we all know, it is not always a spontaneous thing. It is not always something that we feel like doing. There are times when we are not in such a loving mood towards our wife or husband or towards our children. And the same thing concerns our relationship to the Lord God. For example, we do not go with a burning desire every Sunday to church twice. It is for that reason that God gives us a command. He gives us a command to love. He gives us the command to love our children, to love our spouse, and especially to love the Lord. And he gives us the command to meet together on the first day of the week. He does not leave us any options in these things. And therefore, obedience always goes together with heartfelt desire and the other way around, heartfelt desire with obedience. To go only to church, to celebrate the Lord's Supper, and to pray only when we feel like it is from the devil. If you only do those things which you feel like doing, then you will do a lot of things wrong in your life. For then you let your feelings rule you. You let your flesh rule you. And if you only go by your feelings, then the first thing that will go is your prayer life. Some people say that worshiping the Lord and praying can be done at any time and at any place. And that's true. But experience teaches us that things that can be done at any time tend to be done at no time. The Lord wants us to pray. He demands it from us. And he wants us to do that also at regular times. And so it is also very important for us to have regular times that we pray. We do so at the times when we have a meal and also when we retire for the evening. That is when we set certain times, and especially children, they have to learn also to have special times of prayer. Daniel also prayed at regular times, but how the devil hated him for it. He could not stand it that Daniel still prayed to the Lord. So Satan made it so that even prayer would be forbidden. 
a decree was pronounced that if there was any request to be made, it could only be made from the king. The temple in Jerusalem had been destroyed and the priests scattered in a foreign land. But now the last bond which still existed between God and man through prayer, that bond also had to be severed as far as Satan was concerned. The last coal of incense also had to be doused, and the last hope for the restoration of God's people had to be destroyed. Satan, brothers and sisters, is always out to destroy your prayer life. He did that then. And he will do that now. He does that openly as he did to the Jews in exile. But he also does that now, but in much more subtle ways. He uses, for example, false reasoning in order to get us to cease praying. He wants you and me to pray only when we feel like it and when the mood hits us. For he knows what eventually will happen, namely that slowly but surely our prayer life will diminish and the bond between God and us will be broken. The Lord God did not allow that bond between himself and Daniel to be broken. Daniel prayed because he knew knew that he had to, but he also wanted to. It was a heartfelt desire. He longed. To, pre, to pray to his heavenly father. For also the other side of the coin is true. If we only pray or go to church because we have to, or because it is our custom, then the Lord is not pleased either. He wants obedience, but he also wants willingness. Cain also made his offer to the Lord, just like his brother Abel. But Cain's offer he rejected. Why? Because his heart was not in it. The Lord does not just want blind obedience. He especially wants our hearts. And that is why the catechism tells us that we must call upon the one true God from the heart. So then why must we pray? The catechism gives us two reasons. In the first place it says that prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires from us. That first, the most important part of our thankfulness. Think about that. How thankful are you? How thankful am I? What exactly are you and I to be thankful for? Is it not for the redemption from our sin and for everything else that God has given us? Does that also show in your prayer? Do you realize that the more thankful you are, the happier you are? If you cannot be a thankful person, then you cannot have a proper relationship with God, and then you cannot have a proper relationship with your loved ones either. It's as simple as that. If you are not a thankful person then there is something seriously wrong with you, and especially with your spiritual life. You will remember that the first part of our thankfulness, according to the Catechism, is to keep the law of God. In our lives, we must show that we are God's children, 
also in our obedience to the law of God. We show our thankfulness for our deliverance by doing our utmost to keep the law of God. But even more important than keeping the law, says the catechism, is our thankfulness through prayer. For obedience and prayer, they also go together. Our faith is both a sure knowledge and a firm confidence. It is a matter of the head and it is a matter of the heart. You cannot separate your head from your heart. The one cannot function without the other. For if you were to state that your heart is more important than your head, that doesn't mean that then you can do without your head. The importance of the heart does not make the head superfluous. And the same thing is true of your prayer life and the keeping of the law. Our prayer life does not make the law superfluous. Some people think that. They think that as long as they pray their hearts out, then whatever they do or do not do will be sanctified. We pray, for example, for a good crop. But... If we do not ourselves go into the fields to plant a crop or look after it, then nothing will grow either. God also puts you to work. In the same way, we may pray that the Lord bring about a change in our personal lives. But if that's all we do, if all we do is pray, don't think that any change is going to come about. Then we leave it up to the Lord to make that change. But God does give you also a role to play. Not in order to earn your salvation, but to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, as Paul says in Philippians. We may pray that the Lord not bring us into temptation, for example, while at the same time we put ourselves into all kinds of dangerous and tempting situations. We may pray, for example, not to be led into sin through sexual immorality, Yet, at the same time, allow pornography in one way or the other to come into our home. If all we do is pray, nothing is going to happen. The Lord also puts us to work. It is always ora et labora. Pray and work. The one cannot go without the other. Our prayer life, brothers and sisters, must always be an extension of our actions. Prayer by itself is not action. It is only an expression of it. We want to do what God requires because we want to please Him and we want to maintain our relationship with Him. And so we also pray to Him. It is a most necessary part of our thankfulness. And the second reason that a catechism gives for the necessity of prayer is that God will give His grace and his Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask him for these things and for these gifts and thank him for them. You may wonder about that. Does he really only give his grace to those who ask for it? Does the Lord not also give his grace to those who do not ask for it? For example, we pray for our daily bread for shelter and for all those other things. And yet also unbelievers, those who don't pray, receive these things. Sometimes it happens that they even receive more than that. How do you account for that? Well, there is no doubt that everything 
everything comes from God's hands. He is the almighty creator of heaven and earth and of the whole universe. And he makes his creation and everything in it available to us. And in so doing, he gives all men a foretaste of what heavenly bliss will be like. For he gives us many good things. He gives us a foretaste of how wonderful life can be. And so the Lord shows his goodness to all men. But if you do not acknowledge God as the giver of all things, then you receive those things to your condemnation. For the Lord is going to ask each and every one of us for an accounting of what we have done with everything that God has given us. And so we have quite a responsibility. And if it shows that we do not acknowledge our Heavenly Father as the one from whom all blessings flow, then the Lord will also not acknowledge us. In the end, he will remove all blessings from us. All you receive is a curse. He will say, I do not know you. And so ultimately he gives his grace only to those who ask him for it in prayer. But he gives more than his grace. He gives something which is just as indispensable. He gives his Holy Spirit. There are those who mostly think of material things when they ask about the blessings of the Lord. They think that a person is particularly blessed by the Lord when he is well off and when he has all the comforts that this world has to offer. But is that really true? What is the most important thing that God can give you? Is it not the Holy Spirit? Indeed, you could not receive a greater gift. Everything else pales in comparison. For to have the Holy Spirit means to have life. Through the Holy Spirit you receive renewing power. You receive his truth and his light and his comfort. And you receive all the acquisition of all the marvelous deeds of Christ. All those things are a gift to you through the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine what our lives would be like if you did not have those gifts? And yet, how many of us pray to receive the Holy Spirit. Do you do so, for example, in your prayer at the supper table? Do you pray that the Holy Spirit may continue to do his life-giving work? Do you give him thanks for his Holy Spirit? You cannot do without his Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, for the Holy Spirit is needed for everything, including teaching us how to pray. That brings us to the second point. It is only through the Holy Spirit that you can know what to pray for. He teaches you not to come with all kinds of frivolous, mundane things. That is why James says that we must ask in faith, without doubting. And we must do so constantly. The Lord Jesus himself was a prime example of someone who, is, who was unremitting in prayer. He prayed constantly while he was on earth. He was always and ever in conversation with his Father in heaven. 
He could not have done his work here on earth if it were not for the fact that he was in continual communication with his heavenly father. For in that way he stayed close to him. He drew comfort and strength from him in prayer. And he knew that his father in heaven heard every word he spoke. So why then must we pray? We pray because we have a Father in heaven who wants us to be, who wants to be connected with us, who wants to be close to us, who wants to prepare us for the day that we can dwell with him forever. We pray because of the wonderful covenant relationship that he has established with us. We pray because we know that God came to us first, in spite of the fact that we are such sinners. And he did that already at the time of our baptism. He came to us with his promise that he would save us from this world full of sin and misery. We go to him in prayer because he is our Father in heaven who knows our every need. And so he does expect you and me to pray to supply us with everything we need for body and soul. If you are a father and mother to your children, you know everything there is to know about your child, especially when they're still very young. And so you know also everything about what they need. For good parents are in tune with the needs of their children. Parents are that way because they love their children dearly and they want the best for them. But such a love cannot be a one-way street. You also expect that your child, in one way or the other, return your love. You do not want them to take your love for granted. And so it is with the Lord. He wants us to ask Him for every need. And He wants us to trust that He will indeed supply us with every need. It may be that there are times that you go to the Lord because of a pressing need in your life. It may be that you go to Him because of a serious illness or because someone close, is, close to you is dying. And the Lord welcomes such a prayer. And you may be sure that the Lord will also hear your prayer, for he says in his word that everyone who asks will receive, and to him who knocks it will be opened. And that it may also be that the Lord does perform a miracle and grant healing, for the Lord is not a God who will not be moved. Nevertheless, it may also be that your healing is not granted. That doesn't mean that God doesn't hear you. Oh yes, he heard you all right. He heard you loud and clear. But ultimately, he knows what is best for his children. We have to trust him. And then we may not always understand. You all know the story of Job. He didn't understand why he had to go through the suffering as he did. But then God answered him in the whirlwind. The Lord tells him, that he alone is in control of the universe. He says to Job, Is there any power on earth who can make a covenant with you to take you for my servant forever? Only I can do that. Only I can come to you in my covenant love. And so Job repents from questioning God in his wisdom. And he says in chapter 42, verse 3, Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. 
Job humbles himself before God. And so we also see that now he takes on the right attitude before God. And therefore he repents. God requires a right attitude before him. Question and answer 117 says that we must from the heart call upon the one true God only. It is indeed a matter of the heart. And that's how we must pray. And that is why in Matthew 6, verse 5 and following, the Lord Jesus says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their full reward. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. In the same warning the Lord Jesus gives in Luke 18, he condemns the Pharisees for their display of public piety. Now then, everyone will agree that the Lord Jesus does not mean to imply that public prayers as such are wrong. If that were so, we would be wrong to pray together in public meetings and here in church. No, the Lord means something else. The Lord is speaking here about our attitude. There are certain things that we must shut out when we pray. For when we pray, we do not do so in order to impress other people or to draw attention to ourselves. It is still a private matter between yourself and the Lord, whether you do it publicly or whether you do it in private. As soon as we pray in order to make other people think how pious we are, then it is not a matter of the heart. But then it is a matter of self-glorification and not of glorifying God. In that sense, we have to shut the door of our room. For our prayer is a private matter between ourselves and the Lord. You can enter that room and shut the door behind you even when you are walking down the street or when you're at work in the office, or in the truck, or in the kitchen, or behind your desk in school. You can pray to him without being noticed, and without drawing attention to yourself. The same thing can be done in public prayer. What we must try to do when we pray in public is, in a certain sense, to forget ourselves, or those with whom we are praying. For we are not praying in order to impress others with our own piety or our own excellent choice of words. If we were to do that, then we would be no different than the hypocrites the Lord Jesus was talking about. When we pray, our hearts have to be open entirely to the Lord our God. And then we say with the psalmist in Psalm 86, verse 11 and 12, Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. And then we have to pray to realize that at that moment when we pray, that we are in the presence of God. That means that we realize something of who God is and what he is. And that is, first of all, a realization that he is the almighty and powerful God who demands reverence when we pray to him. For the Lord our God is a holy God. When we pray to him, we enter into the sanctuary, the holy of holies. 
Well, and that brings us to the third point. We must pray to him, as it says in answer 118, for all things necessary for body and soul, as included in the prayer which Christ himself has taught us. In the next few Lord's Days, we will deal, the Lord willing, with every single petition of the Lord's Prayer. And so it is not necessary to go into the Lord's Prayer as such at this moment. But note well that it speaks here in answer 118 about soul and body. It mentions our body because if you are not physically alive, then you cannot pray to God. And so your body must be kept alive. We need certain things in order to keep it that way. We need food and shelter and clothing. Basically, that's all we need. What is the purpose of our living? The purpose of our living, as we also saw this morning, is to praise God in all our works and words. For that reason, I mentioned the body before the soul. Our physical lives are inextricably tied to our spiritual lives. But what do we need for our souls? Well, we need to be at peace, don't we? We need to be at peace with our Father in heaven. And that is possible only through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you can only be at peace if you know and if you trust that you have a Father in heaven who will only give you good gifts and that he will turn whatever adversity comes your way to your good. It means that you understand him. It means that you understand his ways. Often we ask for things that are not good for us, don't we? We ask for those things because we only see our present circumstances. We are not able to keep all things in perspective. And how could we? We have such a limited perspective. God, however, has a much greater picture in mind. And that's what he's trying to teach us in Luke 11. He says, look at how it goes in the world of men. An earthly father who is sinful is able to give good food to his children. You trust your father to do that. When he puts food in front of you, then you do not have to doubt that it is good food. You will not suspect poison. You trust him. Do you not think that your Father in heaven is able to give you good gifts? Of course. How much more should you not then trust your heavenly Father? You have to trust him totally and you can. For he alone is truly good. He is all love. There is no evil in him. And he promises to give you his goodness in his most reliable word. Praying is not easy. But that's why we need to be taught. We lost the ability to pray in paradise. And we need to be reminded that we are totally dependent on our creator for everything. And we need to be taught that we have to pray constantly. It must be an ingrained habit. But if you truly love the Lord, then really it is not so hard to pray. The Holy Spirit will teach you. For you want to be close to your Father in heaven, don't you? And you are never closer to him than when you pray to him. And then it is not only a matter of requirement, but then it is also a matter of the heart. Amen.